Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 149. Today, we're discussing read-aloud books for parents and kids. And today, we are excited to have Holly Hicks with us. She is an elementary school teacher, and we will share some more about that in a little bit. But we want to go ahead and get started with our bookish check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? So if you are following me on Instagram, you know that I have been having a bit of a holiday book kick, yes, in October. It is what it is. And so I am actually reading Sarah Morgan's new book, One More for Christmas. This came to me via NetGalley by way of Harlequin. And I am I'm really enjoying it. Sarah Morgan typically releases a, a Christmas book every year. And this one, and typically they are centered around relationships between women, lots of times sisters. And this one is that it is a, it is a story about two sisters who have been estranged from their mother for five years and about them mending that relationship and having Christmas together. So I'm pretty early in the book and I am really loving it. And they're getting ready to head to Scotland, which I love a book that is set in the Scotland, the Scottish Highlands. And so I am really enjoying it. I think it's going to be great. And I, I'm just feeling like I need the Christmas and holiday cheer right now. So that's what I'm reading. That sounds great, Sarah. I have been enjoying reading some holiday books as well. I think it was quite early, but you know, whatever it takes. So yeah, <laughs> just trying to get by. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I need some cheer in my life. So what about you, Holly? What are you reading? I'm kind of in between. I just finished The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware the other day. I'm all about spooky season in October. And that was really good. That was only the second book I had read from her. I had read In a Dark, Dark Wood before mm-hmm. that I liked. And that book had like three different turns I did not see coming, which is always nice when a book can surprise me. <laughs> and it takes place in Scotland too, in the Highlands, (laughs) which was not a cozy vibe. It was a spooky Uh isolation vibe, (laughs) but it was really good. It did a good job of uh, marrying like old school, almost Gothic horror vibes in the house because it was a Victorian house that it set in. And then also psychological thriller because, you know, there's, is there really a ghost or is something else going on? Um, And so I really liked that. And then I just started The Shadows by Alex North, literally only 30 pages in, but I'm already absorbed and I can tell that he is going to make the setting almost like a character, like I'm kind of like Jane Harper did with The Dry. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that um, because it's like getting a bonus character. I'm excited to be scared by that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. You're right. He is so atmospheric. I thought that one was great. I really liked it. Yeah, that sounds great. I, so in general, I don't do much with the spooky reads, but I have enjoyed a couple of them recently. So maybe I'll come back around to a few more. I'll have to see. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? 
So I am about a quarter of the way into Marissa Meyer's Instant Karma, which I have from NetGalley. That is coming out on November 3rd. And I, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Myers. She is an autobi author for me. And she wrote the Lunar Chronicles and the Renegades books and has a standalone called Heartless. And I just think she has such a great touch. She's one of those rare authors who can balance character and plot. So I really like her books in general. This is her first rom-com. And while it does have a little bit of fantasy to it. It is primarily a rom-com, a YA rom-com. And it is about a main character named Prudence, who is a high school sophomore. And the book opens, she is in her science class. She is getting ready to do a presentation and her partner is not there. And her partner is this really charming guy named Quint, who everybody likes. And she likes him, but he is deeply irresponsible from her perspective. And so she is perpetually frustrated with Quint. And she's up giving a presentation and he shows up in the middle. And it is just like her. Yeah, I I could feel her frustration. I have been there. And so she is really having a difficult time with that relationship. So it's a little bit later. It's that evening and she is in a bar And she is on her way from doing karaoke and slips. And when she gets back up after hitting her head, she suddenly has the ability to wish karma upon people. So if she sees somebody doing something bad or irresponsible and she just thinks about it, something equally bad will happen to them. So if somebody is putting, I don't know, gum under her table She gets ketchup on her shirt, things like that. And she is thrilled because she likes to be the regulator and to make sure that everybody is responsible. So yeah, so it just goes from there. And I'm I'm really charmed by it. I think she is a difficult character in some ways because she is very focused on this obsession with responsibility, which of course I as a reader can see is going in a bad direction even though I can identify. And it's also just really fun because you think, do you all remember the show? My name is Earl. I loved that show deeply. And so it reminds me of that. Like I'm getting those vibes a little bit of, yeah, it's fun to think about what would happen if you knew karma was happening and you could watch it, you could control it. So anyway, that is so far great. Like I said, I'm only a quarter of the way through, but I think I'm going to enjoy it. And that one is coming out November 3rd. Wow. I really want to read that. That, <laughs> that sounds, sounds really great. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> what are you reading, Ashley? So I have also been looking, like Sarah was saying, about the holiday reads. I have found myself gravitating toward reading just things that seem cheerful. And I'm definitely reading more romance than normal. And this one was floating around on my Kindle. And so I started the other day instead of finishing the thing I should be reading on the Kindle. (laughs) I had the problem a lot lately. So uh, this is Love Lettering and it is by Kate Claiborne. And I knew that Jen loved it and had said that it was just really great and a lot of fun. And I saw it on, I guess I'd gotten it on a deal. That's how all of my Kindle books are. <laughs> so I was pleasantly surprised to find it on there. And it's great. It's it's the story of Meg, who is a professional letterer. And she 
does so she's an artist she does lettering and in the beginning of the story she has an encounter with reed a person that she had created some artwork for for his marriage a year prior and they have this awkward encounter and it's clear that she felt that his relationship was not going to work out and the marriage wasn't going to work out. And so right at the beginning, he's coming to find out how she knew. And so that's the story just goes from there. And I'm not very far in probably a quarter of the way or so. And, but it is just that he, he is fascinated with patterns and she has a way of including some patterns in her writing. And that's how he had gotten the kind of idea that she knew that this thing had happened and that she put it into the art basically. And so that's the premise is him trying to figure out how she knew and then her worrying about the fact that she had done that and, you know, that it could compromise her business. And so, yeah, just really fascinating. I love the way that her mind works as the narrator. It's really fun to see the way she sees the world and the signs in it and the way she envisions words when things are happening. It reminds me some of the Astonishing Color of After where the main character there is an artist and everything, every description relates back to that idea of her seeing the world through color. I see that for Meg with the words. And I think it's just really fascinating. I love her perspective and it's been a really sweet story so far. So again, that's Kate Claiborne's Love Lettering. I want to read that one too. I wanted Uh, to read it when when Jen talked about it. I wanted to read it, but I... I must have missed the Kindle deal because I don't have it. (laughs) And now I'm sad. (laughs) So today, as I mentioned in the beginning, we have Holly Hicks with us. We have connected with her through Unabridged and through a mutual love of books. But also Holly and I go way back because a long time ago when we were both a lot younger, she was my student in Kentucky. And so we have reconnected over books and our love of all things related to reading. And it's just been really fun. But we wanted to have her today because she is an expert in reading aloud and doing read alouds with kids. And she can speak to reading with younger students than any of us. So we really appreciated her joining us today. So Holly, I don't know if you want to say a little bit about yourself and then we can talk about our recommendations. I'm just so excited to be here. I was going to be insulted for a second because you're making me sound old, but then I realized (laughs) it was 2010. So it's been a minute. (laughs) I teach third grade and I taught pre-K for three years before I taught third. So that was a lot more picture books and things like that. I definitely love third grade more. And I, my favorite thing to teach is reading and especially read alouds. It isn't even necessarily something that I teach, just taking 10 minutes a day and reading to them out of a chapter book where they just get to relax. And I remember when I was in elementary school, that was my favorite part of the day. And I see that in my kids, even virtual, we do a morning meeting on Google Meet every morning at 9am and I'm reading a chapter a day out of a book to them virtually just because I miss it. (laughs) And I think that they miss it too. So I'm very excited to be on here to talk about some of my favorites. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you. Okay, so we have we all love read aloud and or at least I think it's really important. I think I've talked before about how it is actually not one of my personal strengths to read aloud, particularly in the classroom. I always have a lot going on in my mind. And so it's hard for me to 
focus when there's a lot happening in the classroom. But I love what Holly said already that just even right now, kids are craving hearing people read to them and Mm -hmm. making time for that is just so important. And so part of why we wanted to share this episode now is to give ideas for parents or teachers who are looking for ways to connect with students through read aloud. Because I know like for my own child who's in first grade, when she does her specials activities, every single time she chooses the library first. And it's because the the media specialist is reading aloud a book every time. And so she wants to watch that and to see somebody read to her. So I think for sure kids are missing that. We want to share a picture book that each of us love. So we're going to start with that and then we'll move into some of the books for older kids. So uh, Jen, do you want to share the picture book you picked? Sure. So I will say this is an area with which I do not have tons of experience, but my boys really enjoyed this book I'm about to recommend. It is BJ Novak's The Book With No Pictures. And so it's weird to call it a picture book because it doesn't have any pictures, (laughs) but it is one. They still, so my older son is now 13 and he is in eighth grade. And over the summer, he brought the book to me and was like, we should do this. We read aloud every night before they go to bed. And he was like, this should be our read aloud tonight, mom. And it was, I think it was partly nostalgia. He's a very sentimental kid, but it's also, they were cracking up all over again. So if you haven't read it, it is just this book with really creative fonts and text. And it makes the person reading it say really, really silly things and make weird noises. And it just has this really dry, sarcastic sense of humor. It's not really about anything other than, hey, let's make fun of the grown up reading this book, which makes my kids very happy. So (laughs) that is BJ Novak's The Book with No Pictures. Yeah, that's a great one. My husband's dad reads that one. And I mean, the reading of it is just epic. I mean, it's just really fun. It's so performative. And so yeah, that's a favorite for them too. And it's definitely one that I can see the nostalgia part because I think they think of him reading that book and they don't really want to listen to anybody else read it because they (laughs) love the way that he does it. You know, he does it just right. So that's really sweet. What about you, Holly? What's a picture book that you have loved? Oh, this is a tough one because we do picture book read alouds a lot with our Mm -hmm. uh, reading instruction. But one that's just for fun is called Secret Pizza Party by Adam Rubin. And the premise is really silly. It's this raccoon who's obsessed with pizza. Like that's all he wants is he wants to eat pizza. And in the story, the narrator is speaking to the raccoon and kind of going through all these silly scenarios and telling him what's going to happen or how he's going to get this pizza. And I got it to put in my classroom (laughs) library. I bought it from the book fair. Perka being an elementary school teacher, we still have the classic book fair. (laughs) And I bought it and I took it home and read it. And I laughed so hard that I cried. Like, I did a dramatic reading of it and sent it to my husband because he wasn't home yet. It's just so funny. And so I'll read that to every class. I make sure every year to read that to him. And it's just laughs every time. That sounds great. I haven't read that one. I haven't either. It's good. It's fairly new. I might have to get that for my nephews. That sounds like one they would love. Yeah, that sounds great. The raccoon dresses up in like old school private eye, like trench coat and hat trying to sneak. (laughs) It's just so funny. (laughs) that sounds great Um, what about you Sarah which one do you want to recommend oh my goodness I love picture books I'm and I use them in my eighth grade classroom all the time to teach hard topics like theme and so I just I am a lover of picture books and I 
I'm always forcing my kids to get more picture books than I really wanted at the library because I want to read them. So, but we definitely have favorites. So one that my daughter and son both loved equally is Drew Daywalt's The Day the Crayons Quit. And it is illustrated by Oliver Jeffers, who is a very famous illustrator. And I think he even writes some books too, possibly. The book, The Day the Crayons Quit, it is so, I think it is phenomenal because for a grown up who is reading it to a kid or kids, it is hilarious. It reminds me of like when you go to the movies and you like watch Shrek or something like that, that has stuff for grown ups, but also the kids are just enchanted by it. So Duncan is a little boy who goes, all he wants to do is use his crayons to draw a picture and he opens his crayon box and the crayons have quit and left him letters behind. The whole story is going through each crayon color and the, the, the letter that the crayon wrote to Duncan about why they have decided to quit. And it is, it is clever. It is hilarious. And I just think the book is something that you can enjoy with your kid you know, together for a read aloud, but I think it has a lot of great things that you can use to teach as well. So I just, I love it. So that is The Day the Crayons Quit by Drew Daywalt. And it, it, it has a sequel, which is equally funny. And last year they released a Christmas one, which was, which my daughter loved. So my, my son has kind of grown out of it, but I will say I was reading the day the crayons quit to my daughter re not too long ago. And my son who's in seventh grade walked by and he kind of perked up his ears and he kind of moved over to near where we were so that he could listen to it too, because it's just that funny. So uh, we love that book at our house. Yes. That's a favorite at our home for sure too. <laughs> and your boys loved it too, Jen, right? Yeah, they really did. They, yeah. My younger son still just reads it on his own. He really, he enjoys it. And I think it's so intricate. I think there's so much to it that it's one that he can just kind of pour over the pages on his own, although they, they do like to read a lot as well. And the illustrations, I mean, you can just see so many really hilarious things in the illustrations. I mean, the illustrations and the, con the actual text, they just complement each other so well. I just think it's great. Ashley, what about you? What is a picture book that you love? So this was a hard decision for me because my kids are three and six. So we are in that world. And that is, you know, we're all really immersed in reading picture books right now. But something that a recent one for us that I really have loved that the girls also really enjoy is called Not Quite Snow White. And it's by Ashley Franklin. And it's illustrated by Ebony Glenn. And they love it because the main character is really fun and enthusiastic. And so I think they really enjoy that. And also like she wants to, she loves acting and she wants to be Snow White. And so I think that my girls love it because there is that part, there's kind of the, you know, wanting to dress up and be princessy. And I think they can relate to that even though they're still unclear about what happens in the Snow White story, but you know, that's for another day, but, <laughs> but they love that part. But I think what I really love about it is Tamika is the main character and she is, she sings and she dances and she acts and she loves it. And when she sees the audition coming up for the school play for Snow White, she auditions and she, you know, is so excited to audition. But then after the, there are two days of auditions and the first day of auditions afterwards, she hears other kids saying that she's too 
they describe her in all these different ways that are really negative. So they say that she's too chubby. They say that she's too brown and that she can't be Snow White because of that. And so she had been, you know, the as as the readers, we're experiencing somebody who is like so enthusiastic about something and then has hears these other kids saying these hurtful things and then is just crushed. And so you watch that happen. And then she I love it too, because she talks through all of it with her family. And so there's just really great modeling of like how to manage those things. And it, it doesn't feel heavy handed at all to the kids. But I love it when books show kids how when something hurts your feelings, it's important to tell someone and how when we talk through it, a lot of times that can make us feel better. And so her family celebrates how amazing she is. And they explain how she's just right to be Snow White. And so, you know, she goes back to the auditions the next day. She gets to be in the play. And then the end is just everybody celebrating her as Snow White. And so there's just, I just, I just love it because like I said, I think from the adult perspective, there's a lot of really great modeling happening there and kids do say hurtful things and they do have these like sort of stereotypical ideas that, often they don't even realize that they're attributing to a situation, but then that causes them to do something that is really hurtful to someone. And so I just appreciated that because I think it's such a sweet story about how people are amazing and it's great to celebrate who you are, but also it works through some of those things that can be really challenging for kids. So again, that's called Not Quite Snow White, and that has been a great addition to our home library and it's by Ashley Franklin. That sounds really good. Sounds like one I want to add to my classroom library. It's great. I mean, I just love it. The illustrations are great. The main character is so much fun. And then, like I said, I just think it works through some really some important things, but in a very approachable way. Like there are other books that I love that I find that my girls do not love in the same way because maybe they're like too instructive or they come off as being kind of maybe heavy handed or something. And this one's just not like that. It's just a really sweet story. It's really fun. And I think that it gives kids great messages, but still invites them to the book. So, okay. So those were our picture books and we wanted to all share one because we felt like there are so many out there and we know a lot of you who are trying to read at home or looking for books to do with students that sometimes it's tough and you go through those quickly. So we wanted to share one for each, but then we each wanted to give a recommendation and we're going to space these out for the older kids so that we're giving you recommendations for different age levels. Holly's going to start us off with those. So she's going to talk a little bit about some that she's used in the classroom and then we'll move from there into going up to the older age levels. I have two that I really love that I have read aloud just as a read aloud and have also taught them in literature circles and guided reading groups for my higher readers that are reading on like fifth grade level. And they are both dog books, but I'm going to preface it by saying the dogs do not die. <laughs> That's important. I don't, read important. Those books al- I don't read those books aloud because I'm not about sobbing in front of a bunch of 10 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, Holly, because one of the things, whenever there's a dog in the book, Jen and Sarah know that they are supposed to, even if it's a spoiler, they are supposed to tell me if the dog dies. And then I can decide whether I'm going to read the book or not. But that is like <laughs> one that is always safe, no matter how much of a spoiler it is, because I just want to know going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I when I took over my third grade classroom, I was a late hire and the teacher had already started a book and I was just finishing it and I had not read it yet. And the dog death surprised me. And so then I just sat there, you know, two weeks in with my new class crying like a baby because oh, <laughs> I was not ready. <laughs> So oh my, gosh. my my first one is Because of Winn-Dixie by Kate 
DiCamillo, I think is how you say her last name, which is an oldie but a goodie. I remember getting that when I was in like the fifth grade and reading it in one sitting. So that book is about a little girl named India Opal, and she goes by Opal. And she has recently moved to a new town in Florida. It's a small town. Her dad... She calls the preacher, which is very interesting. When she refers to him, she calls him the preacher, not dad. He is a preacher, and that's why they moved there. She does not have a mother. Her mother left when she was very young, and we find out early in the story that she was an alcoholic. And this is one that I like to read because something I have discovered in you know the past five years is the nuclear family unit is not the norm. I have quite a few kids who are being raised by one parent or they're being raised by a grandparent, either because of addiction or incarceration or whatever else. And so I think that's really good for kids to see that reflected in books Mm -hmm. and learn how to deal with those feelings through fictional characters. And so that's something that this book does. And so She finds this dog in a Winn-Dixie grocery store in chapter one. He's a stray and just takes him home. And she names him (laughs) Winn-Dixie because of where she finds him. And the story is not really about her and the dog. The dog is more of a catalyst for her starting to make friends and meet these people around town and come to terms with some of the feelings that she has about her mom and being able to talk to her dad about her mom. And I just really like it. It is quick. The chapters aren't really long, so it makes a good read aloud. And then you can also do it, like I said, in literature circles and you start teaching theme in the third grade and it's very broad, like family, friends. And so this does a really good job of doing a theme on family that's, like I said, not Mm -hmm. the typical family. And the kids always really love it. I had one this past year. We had finished reading it in February, thankfully, before all this hit and we went Mm -hmm. home. She was like, you know, this book made me feel sad, but it also made me feel happy at the same time. And I was like, yeah, it's bittersweet. And we talked about what bittersweet meant and they always really enjoy it. So that's the first one. I haven't read that, but that sounds really good. Oh, I haven't either. I haven't read it, but I did see the movie. Oh, (laughs) that's terrible. That sounds like what do my students say? (laughs) What do my students say to me? I didn't, I watched the movie, but in my defense, we were looking for something to watch as a family and like, there's not a lot to choose from. We were my mother-in-law's house and we, and she had that on DVD. So Mm -hmm. we watched it and I really loved it. I would like to read the book with my daughter, though. I think she would really like it because she loves animals and, like, books with animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good, and there's not anything in it that, like, dates it, even though it was written mm-hmm. in, like, 2000. It There's nothing that indicates that. So my second one, like I said, is another dog book. But, <laughs> like, because of Winn-Dixie, it's not really about the dog. It's a recent one. I think it was published in 2017. It is Wish by Barbara O'Connor, and she has written quite a few middle grade books. It is about a little girl named Charlemagne. She goes by Charlie, and she has a dad in prison, and her mother is like mentally unstable and has been deemed unfit to care for her and her sister just because of neglect. And so her older sister gets to stay in Raleigh. It takes place in North Carolina with friends because she's in like her senior year. But Charlie is sent to live with her aunt Bertha and uncle Gus in the mountains of North Carolina. First, she calls it like a hillbilly town. And she, it's called wish because she will find little ways to make wishes throughout the day. Like she'll cut Mm -hmm. a, the corner off of a piece of pie or pizza and we'll save that till the end. And she'll make a wish when she eats that piece. And her wish is always, she wants to wish her family back together. 
And so she goes to live with her aunt and uncle and they find a stray dog and name it Wishbone and it kind of becomes her constant companion and she makes friends with a little boy named Howard and once again it discusses those themes of what makes a family and it might not be always what you think it is. It also shows her kind of lashing out, which is typical, like, when you don't know how to deal with those feelings when you're young or even an adult, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> which I think is good um, because it shows them that you might do things that you wouldn't normally do because of the feelings that you have. And her aunt and uncle respond in a way that's different than her parents would have if she was still with them. And it it leaves you very happy. It's like Winn-Dixie. It's sad, but it's happy at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's really good for similar reasons. That sounds great. I've heard really good things about that one, but I haven't read it yet either. Yeah, I think my younger son read it, um, and but I have not. It does sound so good. He's a, he's a fan of an, any animal books. He really likes nonfiction, fiction. It doesn't matter. He likes them all. But yeah, I'm always here for that too. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they die, as we already established. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to share one that also is middle grade, but I think could be read upper elementary into middle. So it is Hina Han's Amina's Voice. And I talked about this for a book of check-in a while ago because I've just read it recently and I absolutely loved it. So at the check-in, I was pretty new to it. I had just started it and I could tell that like I really loved Amina's character and I liked the way that Han was approaching some of the issues that come up in the book. But I just think it, it is such a great story. So this in this one, Amina is in she's in middle school. She's just starting middle school and she is a Pakistani American. And so she in, in an area where there are not many immigrants, she is feels even things like she talks about the pronunciation of her name and things like that. She's very aware of how she is different from some of the other students, but she has a best friend, Sujin, who is her family's from Korea. And the two of them have been friends for a very long time. And they have a, it's just a really sweet friendship. So one of the things I love about the story is the relationship between them and how you see these female friendships that are just really great. But as they get into middle school, you see Amina working through the ways that things are changing and their social dynamics. And so I think that that part just really resonates for kids. And I think it'd be a great one to read right now because the social dynamics are changing and we're at home or not nearly, you know, not with our normal friend groups, that all of that impacts the way that we feel about ourselves. So I like the way that Amina is working through that in the story. So Sujin is, is becoming more inclusive of other friends, but some of the people, one of them, Emily is the main kind of third person. And it is, Amina's feelings are that she doesn't understand why they're suddenly friends with this other person. And so she's having a hard time sharing her friend kind of, I mean, and then she's like frustrated with herself that she feels that way, but that is some of what's happening. And so I love that because I think, like you said, Holly before, where like, I mean, that like the lashing out, I mean, those things happen and they happen for kids. And so I appreciate when books work through that and kind of show that it's, it's human for her to feel that way and that she can be disappointed in herself, but still feel that way. And so that's happening. And then Sujin's family is going to, they're preparing for their citizenship ceremony. And so she's thinking about changing her name and she's going through all these American names to change her name too. And again, that was something that Amina and Sujin had in common is that their names were unusual and that they had to kind of work 
with their peer groups for them to know how to pronounce it. And so she has some really mixed feelings about it. So she's happy for a friend, but she's also feels left out or lost. And so she's trying to work through all of that. So I think all of that I love. And then the other thing is, I don't want to get into heavy spoilers, but I think it's worth noting for Read Aloud, it addresses hate crimes in a very appropriate for early ages way. And I really loved that. I did not expect that to happen. And I think the story is really rich without this incident. But there is an incident that comes up that I think gives us as adults reading with kids a really great opportunity to talk about how people do hurtful things sometimes and that that does happen and the impact that has on people, but also the way that we can work through it and recover from it and and unite with each other. So I just think it's a really great story and I loved it all the way through. But when I got to that part, I, like I said, I wasn't expecting it because I felt like it was a really rich story without that. But then I appreciated that inclusion because I think it showed a lot about her family as Muslim. It showed a lot about how the larger community perceives them and how she's discovering that there are some feelings that are not always positive toward the Muslim community. And so like, I just thought all of that was really great. And it's great for kids to read with adults and have a chance to work through some of those things. And the prejudice that sometimes comes with, with some of that, I think all that's handled really well. So again, that is Ominous Voice, and I think it's great. It was a great book. Um, so again, that one I think is early middle grade, but. I have that one, but I have not read it yet. And you made me want to go pick it up right now. <laughs> I love it. I just think she's such a sweet character and it's such a great book. So I think we were going to talk next about another one that's middle grade, but on the higher end of middle. Is that mm -hmm. right? And Jen, are you? Yeah. Yeah. So this one is. Yeah, this one technically I think is middle grade and the protagonist of the book is in middle grade, but, or is in middle school. But I do think, so we did this with our class, the one that Ashley and Sarah and I taught with our friend Tim with sophomores and they were hanging on every word. So I think this is another one. The age group is really flexible. This is K.A. Holt's House Arrest. This is a novel in verse, which we had great luck with those as well. I will say we did this one and we did Jason Reynolds' Long Way Down. And both of those, I think there's something about reading aloud novels in verse that just the sound of it is so nice. I think that makes it really appealing to kids. And we did Knockout too. With oh, right. Yeah, we did the follow-up to this one, Knockout. Mm -hmm. So this book is about a boy named Timothy who's baby brother Levi has a really serious medical condition. Timothy's mom is raising them on her own when their, when their dad, when Timothy and Levi's dad found out about the seriousness of Levi's condition, he left. And so their mom is struggling to raise them. Levi has a trach, which brings with it a lot of complications. There is a lot of medicine that is very expensive that he has to take. And Timothy is keenly aware of the fact that their mom is struggling. And so he wants to help out and he steals someone's wallet. So the book is really about the aftermath of that event. And he was caught and he was sentenced to basically a year of probation. He has to keep a journal. He has to meet with his probation officer and he has to meet with a counselor. And so the book is his house arrest is his journal of this year of reflection and growth. And 
He has the normal middle schoolers reaction to being told that he has to do this. He's really frustrated. He knows he did a bad thing, but he feels like since it was for a good reason, he shouldn't be punished. He doesn't really love either the probation officer or the counselor or writing in a journal at the beginning, but he's also a good kid who really has a good heart. And so you see the way he starts to open up as the book goes on. I just think I love this book so much. I will say the first time I read it, it was one of those that for some reason I decided to read it right before bed and I couldn't put it down and I was doing the ugly crying thing. And it was another one of those where my poor husband was like, what is wrong? Oh, it's a book. Um, (laughs) So it has just some beautiful moments in it. I think Timothy is such a great character it, it moves so fast, not just because of the verse, but just because there's a lot of stuff going on in Timothy's life. And again, our kids who were sophomores it just adored this book. And so, yeah, the book Knockout came out when we were teaching the class. And that one features Levi when he is Timothy's age. And so you see what happened with Levi. That's a slight spoiler. But anyway, you see what happened with Levi as he grew up and then Timothy is in med school. So it's it's this really neat continuation of a story. The students were really anxious to see what happened to these characters. It was neat, we let them vote and they they liked this one enough that they wanted to read the follow-up, which was a great sign, so. But yeah, so that's K.A. Holt's House Arrest. Yeah, yeah, I loved that one. It's so good, oh my gosh. And Sarah was going to share a YA pick. So again, we had trouble narrowing it down. We kind of cheated because some of the ones we talked about for middle grade, <laughs> as Jen said, you know, that that have worked for us for high school audiences for sure. But we wanted to end with a recommendation that's specifically YA. Yes. So what I'm going to be talking about is Elizabeth Acevedo's The Poet X. And we just recently, last month, did a buddy read with this book. And it is it is a phenomenal book. Elizabeth Acevedo has an incredible way of delivering really rich characters and a really like intricate story with very few words. Because this is also a novel written in verse. And I, like Jen said, I really like a novel written in verse for a read aloud, especially for teenagers. And this one is, is excellent. And I will say too, with, with older kids, I think that you could definitely use the audiobook in class at times, especially this one, because Elizabeth Acevedo is a poet. She's, she, she does slam poetry and the book and the main character of the book, Ziamara, is is kind of coming into her own as a slam poet. And so hearing Elizabeth Acevedo read her own words for her own character and putting her poet finesse on it is really something to behold. And I think that students, especially teenagers, would really feel something hearing her read it versus hearing like me read it. So <laughs> wait, so, you're not a good slam poet? Oh, uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I just feel like there's something that can be added by hearing her read it. <laughs> I'm not known for my slam poetry skills. So <laughs> so this is the story of Zia Mara. She is a high school student. She um she is kind of coming into her own as a slam poet, as I said. She has a pretty fraught relationship with her mother. Her dad is in the in her home, but he's kind of like a non-factor. 
And she has, what I really like about the story, especially for, you know, for this age group is there are a lot of different representations in, in character. Like there is her best friend is very devout as a very devout Catholic. She sticks to the rules. She wants everybody to kind of toe the line and she toes the line and Ziamara is discovering herself. She is, She's testing her bound, testing the boundaries of her relationship with her mom, with her faith. And, you know, I feel like there is there there are characters in this book that could really speak to a lot of things that a lot of the struggles that teenagers face, especially with, you know, fraught relationships with parents. And then there is also a love interest, which is is really sweet, but it's not perfect. And I just think it is a great representation of a life of a teenager. And I think that that when you look for a text to read aloud with teenagers, because spoiler alert, that is a difficult audience. <laughs> that, that is a, <laughs> that's an audience that is going to call you out if it, if it does not relate. And I think that, that she offers a really authentic look at the life of a teenager, just finding herself and finding where she fits in the world. And I really, I really loved it. And like, again, I read half when I read it and then I listened to, to half and I mean, not enough can be said for Elizabeth Acevedo's narration. So I would definitely, if I were going to read this with students or with my, with my kids are still too young for this. I mean, this is, de this is definitely YA, definitely YA. Um, because there is some illusion, there is some, you know, sexual activity, there, there is cursing. So there's, there's definitely things to think about if you're going to read it aloud. But again, teenagers do, do those things. So we need to make sure that we're giving them authentic texts to read. So yeah, yeah, so. I love I love too that she is finding like I love that through her poetry she's finding her voice and I think that part is really powerful for kids also to learn that they have this power inside of themselves and that it's worth it to take the risk and to work to work it out I think yeah. you know that that part of the book really resonates for me too Okay, so to wrap up today, we hope we've given you some good recommendations for read aloud. Please let us know what you are reading aloud and what you love to read with kids. We'll be happy to share those on the socials. But today we wanted to end with our Give Me One. And we are all, now that Sarah has her puppy, if you have not seen her Instagram yet, she has a very adorable puppy now. So we are going to share a favorite thing about having pets. And we'll let Sarah start. <laughs> well, I will say today we're recording, you know, ahead of schedule, but I, my, my post today for the unabridged account is my dog photo. And because hot, because hot, we actually have the originator of our hashtag right. here with us. And so I, so Jen and Ashley both posted and I was like, I have a dog too now, so I can do this too. And let me tell you, taking a picture, a picture of a puppy with books is not an easy task. I was sweating and you know, it was, it was a thing, but I got, I got it doesn't get easier when they're older. <laughs> yeah. My dog still is just, I don't, he traumatized every time I tried to take his picture with a book. 
don't know what anything was happening. I kept trying to move this book stack next to Roxy. And every time I moved it close to her, she's like, she's like, what is that? You know, running. So I always try to sneak up on mine when she's sleeping and it wakes her up every time. Like even Mm -hmm. if the book is not actually touching her, she still like senses it and it wakes her. That's true. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about the give me one, I didn't even think that now, thanks to Holly, we have a hashtag, which is unabridged pod dogs. And and we are featuring them more frequently, even though they might not be willing participants. That's okay. (laughs) So my favorite thing about, I will say, okay, so I have not had a ton of pets since I've been an adult. When, when I was in college, my husband and I had a, had a dog. And then when we graduated, um, (laughs) we made, we moved to places where they, we couldn't have dogs. And so then my, my, my poor mother and father, we're like, okay, we'll take the dog. Well, actually my mom said, basically we came, we brought our dog Jasmine and we left and the dog was still there. My dad's like, why is Jasmine still here? And my mom had agreed to it, but she didn't tell my dad until we were gone. And so then my dad, so it is a running family joke. So anyway, so we had Jasmine and then we haven't had any pets. So, and we've been married 17 years. So we have not had any pets. So you know, during quarantine, I have been I, like, at first the kids wanted one and I was like, no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. And then over the summer I was like, maybe. And then I, then I was just all in. So we have our puppy Roxy. She was born July 10th and I am just in love with her. And my favorite thing about having a pet right now is the unconditional love because, you know, Contrary to popular belief, sometimes it does feel like spouse and children. Love is conditional. (laughs) And Roxy is always happy to see me. She always wants to give me hugs and kisses. And she just, as long as I give her attention, she is the happiest thing ever. So that is my favorite part about having a pet. (laughs) Awesome. That's a good one. It's a good thing. Uh, What about you, Holly? What's one of your favorite things? Oh, I have always said I am not a cat person because. I want something that is as obsessed with me as I am with it. And that is a dog for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I've grown up with dogs. My parents had dog before I was born and I've always had a dog, except when we lived in the apartment when I first got married. And then when we got a house, I was like, Brandon, we're getting a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So we have two now, Sal and Quinn. And I think my favorite thing is that they are always there. And when I sit down to read and cover up with a blanket, I'll have one on this side and one on this side. And they just love to cuddle. And it's such a nice, relaxing way to end the day. Even when Quinn lays across my books when I'm trying to read. (laughs) (laughs) Which those are always my favorite pictures or the ones where (laughs) the animal is intruding on on life. They both love to be read to, which sounds crazy, but I will read to my dogs if I'm home by myself with them. (laughs) And if I stop reading out loud, they'll look at me like, come on, I'm listening to that story. (laughs) That's really sweet. (laughs) What about you, Jen? What's a favorite thing for you? So we have a dog, Jax, and we we also have a crested gecko now that that was our pandemic pet buy. So we need like unabridged pod geckos. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I will say, I mean, the gecko is cool. His name is, no, we don't know the gender yet. My younger son will be happy to give anyone a lecture on crested geckos. He did a lot of research before we purchased this pet. So we don't know the gender yet, but the gecko's name is Bolt. Bolt is interesting, but nocturnal, 
and doesn't really interact with us. So it's like we have a small window of like a half hour a day when Bolt is out. And otherwise, maybe Bolt is there, maybe Bolt's not. So our dog Jax, however, is very present in our home. When we first got him, we were going to be the strict pet owners who kept the dog off the furniture. And yeah, right. So yeah, I will say dog snuggles. I am the official dog snuggler. So Kirk does a lot of things with Jax. He is the person that Jax goes to when he's ready for a walk. The kids feed and water him, but I am the pet snuggler. So when Jax wants to snuggle, he knows to come find me. And yeah, it's really sweet. And I like being the designated snuggler. (laughs) (laughs) It does seem like a good role. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Ashley? So I think, so we currently have a dog, Allie, who is two. And so, and she's almost three. So she's one year younger than my youngest child. And we, I think that the thing that I love the most is the routine that comes with having a dog specifically. So I guess, you know, with other pets, it might not be that way, but just that, you know, we take her every day to walk and my kids have gotten really good at riding their bikes and that a lot of that practice comes from that daily walk and the expectation of having that. And that these days, my husband and kids take her twice a day, actually. So they go first thing in the morning and then we all go again as a family after work. And so that, I think I've really loved that, but I, going back to what you said, Sarah, I do think the unconditional love is it just that it's uncomplicated. I think that we've, we've always had dogs and we had two dogs for our whole marriage until we moved here to Virginia and our dog Ginger died in 2016. And I, you know, she was a dog that like I had her my, you know, her whole life and I was very attached to her. But I think that the thing that always struck me about my relationship with her was just that there was no complication. There was, it's just, it's just such a simple love. And I think that part is just really great with animals. And no matter how great our relationships with the people are, they're always going to be, have complexities that an animal love does not have. And so that was like, when we lost her, that was the thing that was so hard for me was just that, like, I miss this just such simple relationship that was always stable, never had any ups and downs. And yeah, I think that's a great thing about pets as well. It's just that continuity and simplicity. So So thank you all for listening today. We hope that you got some good recommendations. And like I said before, we would love to hear yours. Thank you so much, Holly, for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts. And let us know. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnderbridgePod or on the web at UnderbridgePod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 